GDC postponed. And Resident Evil 3 demo announced. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 152. And going with a new format, you can find us on all podcast services and YouTube, anywhere, always, at our uploaded time, but more on that at the very end of the episode. Uh, yep. So stick around for that. Only thing you need to know is we're Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, but hopping into things uh, quickly. First of all, thank you to everyone who uh, who gave us all the feedback for the 150 episodes thing. Again, that's just, we really appreciate it. We've gotten even more feedback, uh, some through private messages and whatnot. So that's what we need. Keep on giving it to us anything you got, uh, any, any thoughts over things like the reader mail and whatnot. But starting this show off the right way, and that is with a very quick saw. What have you been up to and what have you been playing? And I hope your answer is not nothing again. Oh, but it's I nothing. have a feeling that it's <laughs> it nothing. It is. Um, so I'm in that weird lull where I really don't feel like playing a whole lot of stuff, but I don't know what else to play. My attentions were to play Greedfall this weekend, but going kind of with the plans that didn't work out yesterday for us and then today being my wife's birthday, um, I probably will wait till next weekend to play it. Because um, I'm trying to do this thing like where I'm starting all my story-based games and taking a Saturday or whatever and then playing through it, a majority of it on Saturday. And then if I don't, if I can squeeze it into Sunday um, after recording and groceries and stuff, then I will uh, squeeze it in on Sunday too. But I, I think that today I won't really be able to play anything either. But I've also been looking at Bloodborne guides. Or not guides, but builds. Because um, I kind of really want to do a Saul Plays Bloodborne. I don't know when that'll be or... You know, it, we, we talked about the game club thing for month, the monthly game club. And I th- oh, while we're on the monthly game club thing. Yeah. Quick interruption uh, for anybody who likes that idea. Uh, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, are, do we really want it to be just tied down to PlayStation games? And that was actually going through and thinking that there are some games that would be interesting that given the right motivation through something like this, I'd be willing to try even on other platforms like Xbox or uh, switch or something like that. So yeah, give us your thoughts on whether the games club thing should just be a NARTEC overall patron thing that we do, or if it should be under triangle squared. And even if under triangle squared, should it matter if it's bound to PlayStation? That's just something that was interesting to me. Yeah. So. Um, but, uh, cause that way we know what, what to put in the poll for you guys to vote on. Um, but, but yeah, so, I've been kind of looking at that. I kind of want to do something completely different for my for my for my saw plays on Bloodborne. But I kind of want, I also wanted to do it the very first way I played the game, which was Ludwig's Holy Blade, and then a, like a quality build, so strength and dex or strength and skill. I think is what it's called in Bloodborne. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember what the stat was called. Yeah, like I know uh, vigor got changed to vitality and stuff like that, but I don't remember. I think it's skill. But um, I kind of want to do something completely different off the wall just to kind of not only go back and, and fully play through the game for the first time in a long, long while, 100% it or whatever, but I also kind of want to do something different. Um, that way it just doesn't feel like the kind of same first time I played it. So I'm, I'm kind of just looking through that. But yeah, other than that, no other games played this week uh, at all. Uh. I think we were going to try to play Sea of Thieves like last weekend, but that just never came to fruition. People's schedules, I think, is what the reason was for that. 
But maybe this, maybe we'll try it again this week. But what have you been playing? We'll yell at Joe to buy a power brick. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, I was PayPal I was him. a little surprised that whenever we were texting yesterday, you you said that you'd been watching movies all day instead of starting Greedfall. Yeah, because I didn't know like what the plans were. Like I I didn't want to get into something that I'd have to abruptly stop. And then because so I kind of played it by ear, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch Knives Out again. Um, so yeah, I just okay. I watched Knives Out again. Well, that's cool. Either way, I was just, I was curious. I really am interested to see what you do and what you feel like when you get into uh greedfall just because you know when you like a game a lot when someone else goes to play it's like huh what's it what are their thoughts going to be on the similar things so yeah and i think i told you that i did start it um oh that's right uh yeah, yeah just, you were on the tutorial island yeah I, I picked the, the spellcaster because that sounded like a fun thing the magician or whatever it's called the oh yeah mm-hmm. so. you know it's weird i've never thought about it uh but I just referred to that as Tutorial Island, which is a RuneScape thing, but that's actually more or less what that is. Uh, for anybody who hasn't played Greedfall, you start on a different island uh, than the one that you're actually going to be playing on, Tier 3D. Um, and it's it's interesting that that would be a, a weird thing that goes on. I, I guess there is something about having a tutorial area that you don't have to ever worry about coming back to. I like that in games. Like it kind of, it kind of cool, creates a, a a nice separation of like, hey, this is here strictly for you to learn, and hey, this is here, uh, this this is when the game opens up. This is now what the game is. It this is what it is. Yeah, I think it's like give you a constrained area of to learn in, and then open you up. And I think that's what a lot of that is. Like when you're playing RuneScape, it's like, hey, this is an area that's crafted to make sure that you're going to learn everything you need to learn. There's going to be a little spot that you can learn how to cook in, a little spot you learn how to fight in, all that stuff. Um, right. But then you have games like Witcher 3 that do the, you start in White Orchid uh, or Orchard, whatever it is. I can't remember the exact name. Um, and you go through, and if I'm not mistaken, you can always go back to that place later in the game. Right? You've, pl- you've started it so many more times than I have. I've actually only played through The Witcher 3 once. If there's a spot in Witcher 3 where you are whisked away and you cannot return, then I never got to that spot. But I'm pretty sure you can always just go back there. Like, you just ride your horse back there. Yeah, when you think about it. So it's uh, two different takes. I mean, you know. I, yeah, like, it'll take you a while to get there, but Niflheim. Oh, good example. Not Niflheim. Um, that's Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, well? Norsgard? Nilfgaard. Nilfgaard. Uh, yeah. Um, Nilfgaard, you could actually ride to fairly early into the game, but I think there's something up with... with the bridge there, so you can't take the bridge? I don't remember. It's literally been so long since I've played it. But you know what? Another game example of uh, a tutorial area, more or less, that you can go back to freely um, is Skyrim. You can always go back to Helgen. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, whenever uh, I was telling everybody about that mod that allows you to start di- the game differently, um, you, can, you know, you can choose, like, I choose to be on a, a sunken ship out near Whiterun. I mean, not Whiterun, uh, Winterhold. And no, Windhelm, Windhelm, yeah. And uh, you can start the main story just by going back to Helgen. Like it, it like it, it just it, it just whisks you away to somewhere else, so the main so, story never triggers. How does that happen? From a what? What? How do you become a prisoner? Uh, that's just something you make up in your mind. That's that's one. Well, of the role not play even things. that. What I should say is like, do you just walk into Helgen? And oh no, you just walk into Helgen, block? and that's when that's no, you walk, you witness the chopping block stuff. It's kind of like when you walk into Solitude for the first so time. So it completely cuts the cart scene that yep. became a meme. Yeah, that, that is no longer <laughs> in the game. Okay, that's really what I meant. And you wouldn't have the part of creating your character right there either. No, you create your character in a separate new menu instead. Mm. It's really cool. Interesting. All right. Well, who knows? I may get around to playing the. I mean, I played modded versions on uh, PC, but never got around to it on consoles. So that'd be definitely something to do with uh, 1X with a little bit more crazy control. Because yeah, I, uh, I think I went back and 
No, I haven't done it on my One X. I went, I did it on my PC. I went back and did it on my PC after modding my Xbox first. That's okay. what I did. Well, anyway, what I've been playing is, um, I, I, I well, of course, was continuing to play more of Darksiders Genesis. I slowed down because I had that extra copy that I wanted to do a giveaway for, and I've done that. I gave it to one of the patrons, did a random draw on it. Uh, so Nick won, Mr. Solitaire Red. Congrats, buddy. Hope you enjoy it. Um, Congratulations. And I stopped playing it just in case whoever won it was looking for someone to play with. That way... Because I'm very close to the end. I thought, okay, well, if I give it out to somebody else, I could quickly go through, beat it, and then do a platinum secondary run alongside with these people. Right. So that's what my goal was. Uh, but I've actually just, I, I've done my normal thing where because of that, I stopped and decided I wanted to start playing Fable Anniversary because it's just been so long. Uh, and I've ended up getting really sucked into Fable Anniversary. So it'll do it to you. It's almost like when I get home every day, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to sit down and it's how I am with every game. It's part of why I'm so bad about playing one game at a time. And it's really hard for me to play two and bounce between two. It's like my focus and my attention goes towards, oh, let's hop on the game that you started and let's finish it. And I had to make like a, a, a deserted, like, you know, effort to be like, okay, Hey, uh, I'm going to stop playing this for this reason. So I'm going to get back to dark side Genesis. It looks really great. And I'll still probably, probably play through anybody play through with anybody that wants to play through. It's a very good game. Uh, and I do want to get the platinum on it. But, um, speaking back to, um, fable anniversary i never got around to fully playing fable anniversary in earnest back when i bought it on pc uh when it released back in 2013 mm-hmm. one of those i think it was 13 um but the biggest thing is is that it's kind of buggy I, I meant to tell you that when you're in discord talking about it fable anniversary is not a good port it's 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 weird it's almost like it's more buggy in certain areas yeah like um so i i have fable anniversary on pc and it's, I, I do too, but I never stupid. got too far into it. <laughs> you can't connect a controller to it. You can, but it will only work with one side of the controller. And that's even with the official Xbox controller. There is no official controller mapping to... Uh, are you sure? I thought I played Fable Anniversary with a controller no, on computer. You now, not. the original have, Fable did not work you may with have, controller. You may have played the original Fable, but I, like, I looked into mods to get a controller set up properly. And that might have been what it was, that you could get a controller set up properly to like so that it worked well. Um, but yeah, I didn't do that. I tried doing that with the original fable cause I had it on PC forever ago. It didn't have comp- controller support at all. Much like the PC version of oblivion where you could try and use a, con- a mouse and keyboard mapping to a controller to fake it, but it was never quite right. Um, also, do you know but, how the very beginning of the game you, uh, there's the bridge that's on fire and you have to kind of run across it after the village gets attacked by Jack of all blades. I mean, yeah. I'm not spoiling anything. I, 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 I don't remember. I, I don't remember having to physically run across the bridge yourself. Maybe, maybe it's. Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's at the, that's how you escape the village. That's that's how. Or that's how, that's how you find your father. Yeah, that's what it is. Father. Okay. Yeah. At the beginning of the game. See, now I don't remember that, but <laughs> I, I remember I walked onto the bridge and there was no textures at all. Now that's a thing that happens occasionally. It was really in. creepy but looking. This leads me to something. Yeah, it's it, it's a it was a original engine change. Yeah, I think the original engine was proprietary if I remember correctly, and they ported the game into Unreal 3 so they could get benefits like dynamic shadows and stuff, which actually do look really good. Right. And the game has got 1x support, so it's playing in native 4K, which is also it looks really good. It's like a remaster of a remaster, but you know, when you're doing a remaster of a now 16-year-old game, um, the character models are always going to be the dead giveaway. That yeah. It's a 16 year old game. Some of the other stuff looks pretty good. I mean, of course the corridor like nature of the game that doesn't have an open world because it was trying to play on an Xbox. Of course, that's just one of those things that you can see. But outside of that, visually it's not that 
crazy looking. It looks pretty new age. Definitely as a late 360 game, it's believable as a native late 360 Th- game. That's Fable 2. It looks even more impressive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Fable 3 also got uh, 1X support. So I'm probably going to play through at least 2. I still think that we'll I, as much as I love uh, Fable 1, I think 2 is my favorite. Fable 1 has a lot more charm to me. Fable 2 kind of knocked off some of the rough edges that were rough, but specifically charming. Right. Because um, Fable 1 is such an odd game, which leads me to something that I, I spoke about a little bit in the Discord. But this is actually, you know, we often talk about in this show... Um, how what we're doing here is talking about things that we see the competition doing that we'd like to see PlayStation do uh, or not do or things that we see PlayStation doing that we'd like to see the competition do or not do. So with that in mind, I actually kind of have something that is surprising me. We've across the board seen more or less people getting into the idea of remakes, but I'm really surprised that we've not seen Microsoft take a stab at a ground up remake that stays faithful to the original at all. Really, we haven't even seen them do any kind of major reboot on anything, if you really think about it. And where I'm going with this is... Would the Halo Anniversary games count? Not really, because they're more like... They they were just remasters. Now, they were impressive remasters, and they have a really cool feature of being able to switch back to the original graphical style. But that goes to show you that they're not... But but they're not, because if you can clearly go back and... You remember that you could hold the trigger and see what the game... In real time... That's clearly something that's showing that it's the game running in real time, and all it's doing is running new new textures and stuff over it. It's not a ground up remake. All I guess that's where you get. And, and what I mean by that is, it's not a remake to the scale or to the level that uh, Crash Bandicoot games were made. made or Shadow of the Colossus guess, was remade, or even Medieval was remade. Recently. I guess that's where you get into the definition of remaster versus remake. Because yeah. like I think a remaster is just simply taking a game and then throwing it in 1080p 60 frames and putting it on a console. It's kind of like it, Darksiders did. Well, what it is realistically is you're using the original code and changing the textures and stuff on top. Sometimes you'll do mild changes like how the Uncharted collection for PlayStation uh, 4 actually aimed to make all three of the games use the same aiming and control uh, setup so that it was like when you played the three games, if you played them back to back, it felt more seamless than it originally would. Uh, Small changes like that, but that's always using the original code and sprucing it up. A remake to what I'm talking about is like, you know, Crash Bandicoot was like, well, hey, we have the original code, but we're not using it. We're just looking, well, they have some of the original code and we're using that as a reference that when we're making our brand new from the ground up code, new character models and everything. And now sometimes remasters will pull character models from something that was similar but newer in. The Kingdom Hearts games, Kingdom Hearts 1 actually pulled character models in, if I'm not mistaken, from Dream Drop Distance because they were actually newer and smoother um, character Uh, models. That's interesting. I didn't know that. But for the most part, it was still, you know, those were kind of weird because those were remasters where they had to remake chunks of the game but in the original styling. So it's almost like a bridge between the two. But my point to there is that, and this is obviously clearly just my opinion, of all of the franchises that Microsoft has, the only one I've ever actually found very compelling and really unique and definitely odd for having at the time in terms of by the time Fable 2 hit, for sure, an open world RPG that was proprietary and, and exclusive uh, by way of first party development. I've always thought Fable was really cool. Uh, I remember there was a lot of people talking about when Horizon Zero Dawn was coming that it was kind of crazy that there was going to be a first party exclusive open world RPG. And not that it's a really deep RPG, but in a lot of ways, that's what the Horizon is. So 
if you take that way back, Microsoft was one of the first people that had a proprietary first party. I should say 3D because you can go back to things like, well, it wasn't first party made, but like Mario, uh, like Super Mario RPG and stuff like that. Yeah. But that was made by Square. So again, if we're talking about owned and uh, you know housed within themselves fable and fable 2 are really interesting examples of doing a game that would not normally be a genre you'd expect to see first person i mean uh, first party being done first party and i think that those games have so much unique charm and weirdness to them i love the humor and like the weird way that people talk and just well, how obtuse the game so. is uh the the title system is fun the demon doors are fun uh being able to go around and seeing all these different ways that you can do stuff the game is just oozing with a very particular charm don't just stand there like a lemon <laughs> and i love it it's weird like even the boast system like you're going to take a quest and you can choose to boast within that quest and say i'm going to do the quest naked not get hit any times and complete it in five minutes and if you do all three of those things you get a bunch more money now you have to bet against yourself that you're going to do it but you reap the reward it's just a ton of interesting ideas at a time where i feel like gaming wasn't doing stuff quite as weirdly as that uh either way I really would love to see that Microsoft come back to Fable. And there's been rumors about Playground Games making one for a long time and coming back to it. And if that's true, that's great. But if that's not true, what I'd really love to see Microsoft do is dip their toes into this full uh, full ground-up remake thing. It wouldn't be as expensive as doing it. And I think that you could really do a lot to make Fable look and play prettier. The one thing that would be interesting to see if they could do is if they could translate the way that Fable 1 looks, plays, and feels but find a way to make the open to make the world open world and seamless instead of broken up into a bunch of load corridors. Now, even then, load times are so much better these days on different stuff that if they really wanted to do it, they could pull it off to where loading between areas didn't take a long time and it was like a couple seconds per thing and that mm-hmm. wouldn't be a big deal because right now on Fable Anniversary, you're talking like 10 to 12 seconds, 8 to 10 seconds maybe between areas and it does weirdly artificially pad the length of the game but that's one of the things i hope to see i mean you know i'm I'm trying to think has nintendo done a ground up remake of anything yet samus returns on 3ds yeah i was gonna say technically samus returns is one Um, yeah i'm just thinking you know because i I really can't think of an example that i've seen from microsoft where it's a ground up remake and not just a really great remaster do you count majora's mask because they actually changed bosses in that game they gave him the dumb big eyeball mechanic. That's true. I don't know. That one's going to be weird because it's yeah. still primarily based around the original code. You're going to definitely see games that are kind of bridging that gap and trying to modernize them while they remaster them. But either way, I'm really enjoying it. There's some things that were uh, interesting to learn about Xbox as I'm playing it a little bit more uh, that I was speaking with Blake about. Uh, Xbox, you know, one of the claims they were making about the Series X is that it's going to be able to resume playment, uh, playing on multiple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can have like four. Let's, I don't know the actual number. I think it's like four. Uh, you can have four games in sleep mode that you just rotate between and it'll automatically resume them. Yeah. And they've gone even further and bolder and said that the system will be able to resume play in a game exactly where you left off after a full restart of the system. Now, here's the thing about that. The console can't, the One X right now cannot even consistently leave my games resumed. If I go to turn the system back on, about 70% of the time it's closed the game. 30% of the time the game that's is a, still there. That's a weird problem. And apparently it's not uncommon. It's that's, a very common problem. So I, it, it goes back to one of those things where early in the generation when you were seeing things, you'd hear a lot of promises and they'd be fulfilled to various degrees. Yeah. But I'll give PlayStation props. I have never once put my system in sleep mode and come back and my game not be on. 
exactly where I left. Yeah, I don't it. think I have either. And almost exclusively. To be fair, that's never happened with the Xbox either. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's so, never happened to me. And, and I wonder if it's. I wonder if my percentage is that much worse because I'm doing it with a backwards compatible game. But I've had it happen to even Anthem and Red Dead Redemption Two when I was piddling around with them. Hmm. So. Um, you know, I just happen to have been using this one more, so I noticed it in the Red Dead Redemption uh, Xbox 360 version and this one. But I've noticed it on Xbox One games as well. Either way, Weird. wild times. I hope that we see uh, the resume features on both sides, but I hope that they're more like the experience I've had with PlayStation and Microsoft. Be bold, make a full remake of Fable, and if you can, make an open world. Do something cool. Yeah, do something. <laughs> I want Fable. I, I mean, it's it's really the one franchise I really want to see back from them. But that's uh, that's my selfish take for the for the day. Uh, we're going to go ahead and hop into the community's tech section before we get into the other thing. What we're going to do today, uh, you know, we were kind of discussing, I think more often than not, unless there's a really big, obvious news thing that warrants a very long topic discussion on, what we're probably going to do is what we've done these last few episodes and just let the majority of the show... Uh, once we get into news, be long form discussion on the news as it sees fit. If we have a lot to talk about on a single news piece, we'll just do that. Uh, and there'll be kind of multiple main topics. Uh, that's been fun for us. And it also keeps us from having to feel like we're having to graduate something up to main topic status, even if it maybe isn't quite there. Uh, I don't know, but let us know what you think about it. Anyway, going over to the community stake, Saul asked you guys last week, how do you feel about Sony not making it to PAX or GDC now that more, and then I added, now that more companies are backing out of GDC as it happened throughout the week, has it changed your opinion? Um, and I guess I should go ahead and start this off with technically a piece of news. GDC has been postponed. Uh, they were down to very few people left, and they decided to just postpone it until later in the summer. Is what they're aiming for. So we'll see if the coronavirus le- eases up ah, enough by then to help. You shouldn't have said that. What? There's a thing right now, like where if you say the c word, like not that we're monetized, but YouTube will instantly demonetize your video. <laughs> Whatever. And I don't want to come at me, YouTube. You ain't gonna get it. Don't do that. Y'all, y'all be a patron, please. <laughs> YouTube be a patron? No. I hope lovely so. Lovely listeners. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's see. Uh, so one of the things we got back, uh, one of the responses was from Mr. Vincent Hole. He says, with Nintendo Direct being so popular, I think it is becoming more popular for companies to just stream their announcements. It's more cost effective. They aren't pressured to have something at a certain time. Games are less likely to be ruined by too much being shown, and they can focus on making games. Besides, cast a vast majority of their consumers just wait for the reveals to be streamed anyways. It just puts more control in the company's hands. Uh, and I think that's a really good point. Uh, when we were started seeing people back out of G- GDC, the thing that we started hearing from a lot of companies is everything that we we're going to talk about in the show, we're just going to stream it. Yeah, well, I mean, and people always say like, oh, well, E3's dead and whatnot, like, what I wish is that if anything, don't kill off E3. That's a fun thing. Just make it so that it's all digital. There is no show floor. There's nothing like that. That that it's literally a digital event in which everything is scheduled to come out in direct slash play to uh, state of play style delivery. And we've seen that. Uh, like Square Enix had it that one year where it was just yeah. a pre-recorded just thing. Just make, make everything happen. Nintendo be, be every year has that. Then then that way you can't uh, you can't see that Bethesda paid off their audience to clap and stuff. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah I like a lot of what he says and uh, that actually goes to uh, another point that we uh, somebody else was talking about on here Mr. Ken Nay says I thought that they made the smart decision honestly unless you bought a ticket and were uh, and were going to PAX I don't know why you'd care about Sony being there or not and that was definitely something I came across too but I 
as I said, I think that people who did have some thoughts about it from what I was seeing, I think it, the way I responded was, I think people before either companies pulled out cared from a quote, Sony not doing enough in the community, just another step away from them, not do, or just another step further from them not doing E3. Like it's just them going even further standpoint. Yeah. Now, not that I necessarily agree with that, but I, and I think that that sentiment has changed now that so many companies have backed out of GDC and GDC is gone. I think people are no longer looking at it as Sony trying to back out of, of something else again, as more of they're looking at it like, oh, Sony was just the first one to really be smart enough to go ahead and announce like, hey, we're not going to do this because of this reason. And clearly, everybody agreed with them in the long run. Pretty much, yeah. I do. I will say though, like the the for me, what's not irritating is people saying that they did it for a, a, a more suspect uh, suspect uh, reason. But more so of people who are playing it to make it sound like coronavirus is like this this incredibly threatening uh, entity of a of a of a of a virus, and I say that meaning to like the extreme. People are treating it as if it was like almost like a plague like, when yeah, it's really not. When it's not, yeah. And I think that doesn't that's, mean it's not something to be it's, worried about. It's almost about, like but... I see people almost fear mongering. I'm yeah. just like y'all, y'all need to calm down. If you're like, you're a healthy adult, like. <laughs> you'll be fine yeah i mean don't be wrong doesn't mean that anybody wants it trust right. me i don't yeah. i wouldn't want it but it, it's the people it, the who average saying, uh the average death age for it right now is like 73 well somebody like, if you're gonna like, like people who have died from it the average range of age is elderly people who have a weaker immune system which so, is fair somebody on twitter that i instantly needed on our account he said yeah we don't want sony execs falling dead because they contracted this and i'm like shut up just sh- shut up was that in response to something we did? No, no, no. Okay, no, I was about no, to say no, that'd no, be no. this is just wild. It, it's a it's a count I've seen around out in the wild on Twitter for a while, and he just he's always said annoying thing, or she's always said annoying things, and then all of a sudden he, that came out, and I'm just like, nope, done. With, I'm done with seeing the stupid account. <laughs> Last one over on Facebook, Mr. Josh Drago said, "I'd still go. I ain't afraid of the alcohol beverage virus." Uh, you know, the one thing that's really true about this thing, though, is I understand why companies are doing this. International travel is one of the quickest, or really travel in general. I mean, you know, is you saw how fast it got. Over social here. traveling is one of the biggest ways for these things to spread. So we heard um, about it, and then like a week and a half later, it was in the United States. Yeah. So. Um, but on Discord, Elchabib said, "I agree with Sony and other major companies of pulling out of conventions as COVID nineteen, which is the uh, medical name for the virus, is spreading more internationally. Traveling is a hazard, especially when the attendants." will fly back to their home countries and increase the risk of it spreading the infection. This will also put a strain on the company since people will be calling in sick, which will affect the production down the line. Then he goes on to say, it says, which begs the question, will state of play even be more of a viable option now that conventions are, uh, are being avoided? Absolutely. Which, and that's what we've been saying. Whether, whether they get one or not is what's going to make me angry. <laughs> well, this is where I kind of led on it. Do they choose to do one of two things? Uh, and me and Ken were talking about that on Facebook. Do they choose to do this as a state of play and set a really high bar of expectation for state of play that they could potentially follow since we're going into a new console generation? Now the state of plays can show a lot more from them and act as more micro E3 things, more like what Nintendo does, yeah. because they'll have more that they're actually being able to show. I think uh, that if they, 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 don't temp, they don't temper expectations well, um, Nintendo will often come out saying, like, when they reveal a Direct, They'll typically do it in a very, very, very shotgun manner. They'll say, hey, tomorrow, so like a very completely random thing in 24 hours, you have this direct that's based all around Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. So people don't go into it thinking like, oh, we're going to get to see you know, uh, more Smash Brothers stuff or maybe more, more stuff on uh, Room Factory 4 is out. I just you, realized you, that. Oh, is it? I think so. Awesome. But, well, um, you, temper, yeah, you temper expectations by telling them what's going to be there. 
And then anything else that you may do can just be an extra surprise, which I think Nintendo's done a few times, if I'm not mistaken, right? They've had a direct, and then at the end of a direct, they've been like, oh yeah, here goes something else before we leave you. Isn't that a thing they've done? Um, or am not- I thinking, because I think you're, I don't watch them all, and I think that's one of the big things. I think there are two different types of directs, right? There's directs that are specifically aimed at a single game. Then there's direct directs that are kind of like, hey, here's a kind of what's going on in the world of Nintendo Direct, correct? Yeah, like, uh, well, I mean, it's more so of like, you're either going to get a Nintendo Direct that is, is random, or you're going to get a specific Nintendo Direct. Any 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 one of those has uh, the ability to say, we'll leave you off with this one thing. But it's very, very rare to have it in a specified Direct. And if it is, it is specified towards something about the, well, the yeah. game. Well, the other thing I think Sony might do, and this is what I'm curious, I think that State of Play is probably the avenue to go. Um but we'll see if they end up doing that. The other thing they could do is just make it a digital version of what they did back in 2013 and just have it be uh, PlayStation Presents, uh, you and know, that, PlayStation Meeting 2020. Yeah. And, and, and do the same thing in just a little different manner. I don't what know. I mean about temper expectations, too, is go on Twitter and, and then on their official Facebook and, and you know, whatever, whatever major social medias they have and say, like, hey, on March the 7th, we are going to have a new state of play and then specify what it is like say this is going to be focusing around select indie and vr titles so we don't go we go in not expecting a console release and then oh but more vague see that's that's good because i could see why well, some no, people wouldn't want it to be like hey this is going to be a director we're going to be talking about uh predator hunting grounds what the hell is predator hunting grounds oh uh yeah like <laughs> you know like, yeah if you just kind of be like hey this is just going to be some smaller scale games and some indies and then and then if it is a ps5 reveal you can easily say something like you know march 7th ps5 reveal or march 7th uh witness the true power of the playstation 5 and then it's like sure. oh cool we know we're gonna console reveal yeah like temporary expectations which they don't typically do well to me like yeah. anytime i see a state of play announced it's just hey state of play well and i think the biggest thing that you talked about and you've mentioned it before in the show is kind of wanting them to get to a point where they're going to do a very very quick turnaround like 24 to 48 hours in advance do it and i think that that's probably smart because you know when you announce that you're going to have a state of play a week in advance yeah that's all dumb. you're doing is giving a week for people's expectations to their hype to get to them and grow and like by you know by day three they're gonna be like oh my god guys do y'all think that we could see kingdom hearts four at this yeah see some people are yeah or, some people you know something crazy they actually find it more fun guessing when directs are gonna be than what they're about i've totally seen that on the yeah. Nintendo side but like, guys i think we're gonna it seems like this is the right time this is happening this is happening we're gonna have a direct on tuesday at 10 o'clock and then and then since they always announce them like 24 hours ahead of time you always get the you, that's like that's the all hallows eve of directs like where it's people just being crazy with metroid prime 4 is going to be there my friend and my uncle at nintendo told me and it's like <laughs> that's where the real fun happens because then you're actually speculating what's going to be in this direct and every every normal direct they've had i'll give it to them they have blown me out of the water when they have a net when it's not specified like oh I, yeah i was not nobody was expecting Link's awakening first of all but then Room Factory 4 and then Room Factory 5 on top of that in the same direct? Yeah. That may have been one of my favorite presentations of all time. Here, those three games all together, randomly. Nobody, nobody knew a Room Factory 4 was coming to the Switch. Okay, Let alone Room on. Factory 5 was in. Was that the same direct that also showed the uh, remaster or maybe even remake? I don't know what it actually is. Of um, Xeno. Xenoblade? Blade. Actually, I think so. So yeah, where, where you see Shulk laying in the field or whatever. I think so. And I think there was the same one with Devil May Cry. There was a lot in one. There was a lot. I remember <laughs> like, that. It was packed. And that might be why they haven't done one in so long, because they know they can't exactly top that one. That one, yeah. Because I think that was also the one that had Luigi's Mansion in it. 
Ooh, yeah, now that I don't remember. All I remember is A Link's Awakening and then seeing Rune Factory 4 <coughs> Special, I think is what it's called, and then Rune Factory 5. <coughs> Being nice. Because me and you have talked about that personally, uh, about wanting Rune Factory 5. <coughs> Goodness gracious. <coughs> Speaking of the Corona beer. I think I got the, the black lung. Anyway... Oh my goodness. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and go on with one for the Discord real quick. Go ahead. Uh, Josh says, I've been on Sony's side since the start. Yeah, it's disappointing, but it's only gaming and it's not worth their workforce getting sick or stuck somewhere due to travel restrictions. All the foreign companies that makes, uh, or to me, makes more sense uh, than US-based ones, especially for GDC. Uh, Facebook or EA could go to GDC, in my opinion, easily, but people will like Kojima. It's not worth it. And that's what I said last time. Like, it's weird that Facebook pulled out and so, so it's weird that Facebook put out period. Um, I, I don't know why. Uh, maybe just because people, I don't think people all around the world are flying to, flying to uh, GDC, are they? Oh, yeah. Are they really? I mean, I didn't know GDC was that big. I know PAX is. Well, I mean, it's different developers. So unless the entirety of the groups back out, then yeah. GDC is something that's, it's Games Developers Conference. So it can yeah. be developers from all across the but world. But I, I didn't know it was a go. big conference. So. I guess what it comes down to is prior to everybody slowly backing out and to the point where it even got to where press like Game Informer was backing out, uh, which clearly is going to be the thing. If you don't even have press there, it, it kind of gets to be the point of, well, why are you even doing all this? Um, E3 may actually be canceled, not because Sony's not going, but because people may drop out. E3's yeah. only in four months. Yeah. So again, it depends on where coronavirus leads to from here. Yeah. It's hopefully can, a vaccination. Will it, will it calm down and, and go you know the same route as bird flu and swine flu and all those ones that eventually kind of got settled down after the craze hopefully but you never know speaking um, speak of which those i hope it goes there but not not with the fatalities there's more fatalities than those two oh yes combined. absolutely there was so i mean the, what I mean, some of them are more fair yeah. like you know when people were like dur- during the swine flu thing people started wearing masks even at school this is so stupid okay i kind of get it let me hold on i gotta broadcast something real quick don't unless you are contagious with something do not wear a mask they don't do anything they do not do anything for someone who is that is not a prevention method that is what i actually wore them for the only time i've ever worn one is i had strep throat but i had to go finish something up at work yes um you don't wear wearing Surgical mask, facial mask, uh, any kind of mask like that that you'd get on the first aid aisle does not prevent anything. That is a prevention from you to spread what you have. So if you're if you're rushing out to go buy a mask or if you're ordering a mask online so you can wear about in public so you don't contract anything, that's that does not work. I, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm some... No, I, I, that, I'm not saying you. I'm saying me a, personally. I don't know. 100%. I think it's probably people saying of even if it's not a 100% help, it's like... That feeling of like, well, at least there's something there. I think it's more of like a personal security. Like, you and know, when you're a kid case, and you're like, where's case, my blanket? Go for it. I need my blanket. But but what what what's happening now? You just want to make sure people are doing it under the right intentions. Of, well, of, well, no. What I've been re- what, what I've been reading online is that now that those masks are in shortage because everybody and their mom are going out to get one when they're not sick. So then now sick people can't get them. Mm. So they don't have a way to help prevent them spreading. But anyways, that's Saul's surgical hour. <laughs> the new 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 triangle squared section uh segment all right let's see i'm gonna look and see if there's anything else on here uh, i think we got some over on facebook well we already did those already so twitter is the only one we haven't done so over here uh we got mr sweet jones our good friend ryan he says this is a time to be safe rather than sorry yep short sweet simple i agree uh, constantly Kenny, one of our patrons, he says, I'm here on the West coast and cases are starting to pop up. I respect that Sony would rather their, excuse me, employees be healthy than force them to go 
to these and potentially get sick. My company still made me go to RSA in San Francisco, and I was nervous the whole time. And I think that that's a big thing. You know, some people go, well, why is it Sony? Well, it might be Sony working on behalf of what their employees are wanting. They may have had a couple of employees that came and said, hey, you know, this coronavirus thing is going, we don't really want to be involved with the spread of this. It's something that makes us nervous and uneasy. And Sony could have been like, hey, go anyway. Or Sony could have said, you know what? This is reasonable. Let's back off and let's... And actually, that looks like that's what Game Informer did. Game Informer said that they were waiting to hear back from the entire office of what they wanted to do. I think they were kind of going the... Hey, if everybody wants to go or if a majority wants to go, we'll work it out. And if some people just do, even that don't want to go, they can just skip out and we and certain people will still go. Yeah. But they came to a unanimous decision, more or less, that it was best not to go. Yeah. So and I think that's probably a good way to do it. Uh, and I it, it's unfortunate, uh, man, that your company made you go anyway. Really, that's it happens. It's part of working. It's uh, it's shame, though. I mean, really unfortunate. Uh, Rob B brought up a really good point that I actually agree with. He says, I, I just, too. I just wanted them to release the demos of all the games. They are going to have it packs on PSN, uh, for the amount of days PAX was going on since they dropped out. So yeah, like the last of us two demo actually getting a digital release or something like that for two days. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I completely agree with that. And you could time it. You can be like, well, Hey, you know, the normal average person who played it at the booth would only get 20 minutes. So here you get this segment, yeah. you get 20 minutes. Yeah. Release it so that, uh, everybody else in the world can uh, get a chance to play it because, it's not their fault that, that they're dropping out, but it's not Sony's fault either. So this is kind of and good. Even then, I actually think that I like this idea on an overall arcing scale. So say coronavirus was not a worry and Sony went to PAX. I think it'd be really cool for Sony or even Microsoft, any any companies, to go, hey, we're going to be at PAX this weekend and we're going to be showing off these games. So what we're going to do and understand that they are potentially in rough beta form, this is the PAX East demo and it's only going to be available for the weekend that PAX East is going on or the four or three days period or whatever. And they go, hey, from February, blah, 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 to February, blah, 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 you'll be able to download these games and just remember you are playing an unfinished product. Right. And just let people play them. I think that'd be a really cool way to get people who can't go to the PAX events um, or to these specific events, the ability to still feel like they're kind of getting to benefit from what they are. It'd be cool too if they didn't even have these at PAX events, but more so of an uh, of a thing that happens around PAX, and that way, like games like because indie developers can't reach PlayStation Store demos like that, but PlayStation can. So like it'd be cool that way. It takes time, and and so you're not standing in a line trying to play The Last of Us for two hours. You're trying indie games and and stuff over there. Oh, okay, I get what you mean. The the big things that Sony can back and put a demo out towards. They need to go ahead and just put one out for everybody during PAX and only during PAX. And then that way, people who are at PAX, they're not wasting time standing in a line for 20 minutes of fun. They're actually experiencing the convention. I'm not a big fan of like line wasting. Yeah. I think that's like the only time I find that line wasting is an acceptable thing is at theme parks. And that's mainly because that's it kind of goes in with what you're going to a theme park for. I'll actually even pay extra for a pass that lets me skip. But yeah, like I don't, I, I don't, I don't ever get that mentality of I'm gonna wait in this line. Like midnight releases and stuff, couldn't even bother with it anymore. I not, think n- not midnight gonna- releases for sure because it's like the end goal is just getting the game so you can go home and play it, which I understand. And you circumvent that by just doing a digital release. Yeah. All right. I think I get it a little more at these things, and I chose to do it on a very, very few games. Yeah. Uh, at uh, PSX when we were going, I actually spent the majority of both my days playing only small little cool indie games and running around and just talking to people. I thought it was really cool and fun to do that. Um, we did wait in line to play Monster Hunter World before it came out. And I think well, I that's waited. how we got like a press kit for uh, Super Meat Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, regardless, you know, when you're looking at all those, um, 
I understand the need because it's like, it's the same as a theme park, right? When you go to a theme park, you're waiting in line. And the reason you have to wait so long in the line is because the time for the the thing to happen and close so they can get more people on exists. So right. same thing in line. Hey, we have five booths set up, five people come up, takes each you know, we're going to give an average play time of 15 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, depending on what it is to these people. They go off, maybe even less time, and then the next people come on. So it's like, I guess but when the, you get to the end, you get the experience. And that's exactly, it. really, the theme park is like a really good example of. And hey, the difference is for me is that I'm going to a theme park specifically to ride rides when I'm not going to PAX to play a demo. Yeah, I'm going but to some PAX people for, are. for everything. So, yeah, you well, know, yeah, that's a weird reason to go to PAX, in my opinion. Well, I won't say it's the entire reason, but it's clearly a well, benefit. Well, that's what I mean, right, though, is that you go to a theme park, the entire reason is going to ride rides. Like, there may be a sub-reason of, like, I'm going to get theme park food that's going to cost $40 for a pretzel or something. <laughs> but it's the the main reason is, is ride rides. Now, here's an interesting one. Sir Herps says, and I always love his name, he says, I like Sony not going to events. And I say this one because I find this an odd, but I kind of get it, too. He says, it makes me feel like they're actually working on things instead of wasting time. Fake news is going overboard with this coronavirus thing, and it just makes me wonder what they're trying to cover up and what i wonder what he means by that i think it's what saul was kind of speaking of is this is being treated as a kind of fear-mongering epidemic and it's not saying that it's not something to be serious about but there are much worse things that have hit clearly uh, it's part of the news cycle that we live in that things that sh- sometimes shouldn't be blown up as much as they are end up right. blowing up more uh and I, that's to various degrees obviously coronavirus is something um but either way, I thought it was an interesting sentiment of I like them not going to events at a time like now because it feels like they're actually working on something. Um, which, you know what, brings me to a very odd rumor that just came to my mind. There was a NeoGAF person who said that the oh. PlayStation is going to PS5 is going to launch with a PS5 Plus that will cost five ninety nine and will outperform the Series X. And that the spec list that we've been seeing about the base PS5 that's got 9.5 teraflops is intended to be that sounds like somebody who's sad that their console is not going to be as powerful as xbox well i don't know and because the other thing rumor. what it really comes down to is it looks like you know they're saying that the xbox lockhart you know is still coming and it doesn't have a name people are thinking that that's going to be the actual entry uh, entry level xbox probably whatever. so yeah we're going to call it the series S. i mean it makes sense that way because the, you know and then the series a- x would be like the pro right yeah so in this they're essentially claiming that Sony will have the normal PS5, which will match whatever the Lockhart ends up being, or maybe even be better, or around it at least. This just sounds and like then there's going to be that. Oh, it's a weird rumor. This sounds like somebody who can't handle the fact that one console is stronger than another, so they're having to make up a rumor in their mind and spread it so that they can feel better about their purchase. That is the exact kind of... That the is, bigger thing right that now That is the is, definition of somebody I hate. We still don't know on just, any of this. We know yeah. we know more about Xbox because they've come out this year, I mean, this week, and, and said, hey, we do have 12 teraflops, we do have this, this, and that. Right. Sony still haven't. And realistically, I don't. there's not much of a point in... I mean, you could speculate, but there's not much of a point in putting too much bank in speculation as to what Sony's going to be. Who knows? Sony could come out and be 9.2 teraflops, and that could just be what they do. It could or be 14. Sony could come out know. and be, yeah, it'd be 14 but and the be people, crazy. But people but, who have to make up rumors to feel better about their console choice is the worst kind of consumer <laughs> that I hate. That's right. the, when I, whenever I talk about people who are worshiping companies when they're just consumers, of, that's the kind of people I'm talking about. All I right. don't enjoy talking. Thank you guys about. for your answers in the community. Take. There's a couple we didn't get to, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and get moving along with the episode because Mr. Saul's wife has a birthday today. we got to make sure we're getting him out of here in time to go. Yeah, that's coming up quick. <laughs> yeah, Dang. it is coming up quick. So I want to make sure we're getting to go off. Um, so for the first thing that we're going to touch base on to start the news off, last week we talked about the uh, PlayStation Player Celebration event that was going on where they're asking players to uh, not only sign up for it, but then if once they do and they're participating, they get trophies uh, and go through and there's rewards that net you in for those trophies. Uh, the first 
the uh, the first goal was met in just a matter of days, uh, and they're already working on the second one. So anybody who signed up and did it, um, signed up for the first wave, has been given a free PS4 theme, which is pretty cool. So I, I like to see that, like, it, it was a pretty modest goal, to be fair, but it's cool to see that stuff just smash through so quickly. Uh, next thing up. What in the world is that? Oh, that's the uh, Borderlands, Borderlands 3's yeah, DLC. In here. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's in here. All right, uh, next up, Capcom took to Twitter to confirm that much like Resident Evil 2's remake uh, that had the one-shot demo, Resident Evil 3 will also be getting the demo treatment when and in what shape is currently unknown, but the publisher says to expect more details in the near future. Now, this is really cool because I thought that the Resident Evil 2 one-shot demo was a really cool, like, out-of-nowhere thing, mm -hmm. and it was a good idea of, hey, Put somebody in the section of Resident Evil and let them see how far they can get with one bullet. And for me, too, like playing these kind of demos, because I think <clears throat> the Resident Evil 3 demo is going to carry over. It's going to have the save. I'm not going to play that like a week before I get the game. I'm going to play like two days, three days before the game comes out. Mm. That way that like I can. Did the one shot demo carry over? I don't know. That's I'm speculating that this. Okay, okay. Um, I, that was a genuine because I didn't play the one shot. Demo. I didn't either. I didn't have time. Um, but yeah, like I like demos that carry over like that because it creates a sense of anticipation. It's like I, I got I want to get back into this and I can't play it for three days. It's almost like a, oh, it's, it's almost, like, it's almost like an early release too. Yeah. It's like oh, give you a little bit of a taste before you can get back around. Yeah, it's like I'm edging myself to the <laughs> release of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this also speaks back to something that is kind of been surprising. Most games do not do demos. Definitely not before release and yet capcom have been pretty good definitely with these resident evil games about giving you demos before the game even releases instead of doing the thing where i feel like demos are coming back around to being popular but you almost always see games come out with demos after they've already released and if they tend to be relatively successful or really non-successful Either of those ways, it seems like they're more likely to get demo. If it didn't sell very well at all, there's like, get a demo out there so somebody might try it for free and then decide to buy it. You know or, what? hey, it's doing really well. Get a demo out there for anybody who's on the fence. Let them get it, play it for a little bit, and then they'll decide to buy it. And normally, those demos do let your progress carry on. Yeah. But and it's more interesting to see them be at the beginning or before a game comes out. So I like that. One other thing I'm, I'm excited for is Baldur's Gate 3. I think both Divinity and the Baldur's Gate series would lend really, really well to those kind of demos that carry over. Yeah. Oh, while we're on the topic of Baldur's Gate 3, which was shown uh, at PAX East, how did you feel personally about them um, going more with the Divinity turn-based style rather than the uh, real-time with pause that I the love, originals had? I love Divinity, so I'm going to love it no matter what. Oh, I mean, I feel that, but I just... I guess I should say, did you ever play any of the Baldur's Gate games before? No, okay. I'm, I'm pretty so sure that's they're, why I was asking. Are they like a twin-stick roguelike? Are they like Diablo? Uh, they're they're kind of like Diablo, but they're called... It's what I call them. I think it might be what they're actually called, is real-time with pause. You go through and you hit your actions and you can move around in real-time, but then you essentially hit a button and you watch your actions that you queued up play out. That's kind of cool. It's it's more control than turn-based traditional offers. And I think a lot of people expected to see that with Baldur's Gate 3 since this was like a return to a big franchise that clearly had that. Yeah. I'm not, I, I think it still looks good, actually. What's cool but. about this is that this looks like a Divinity game set in the Baldur's Gate universe. And that could only, that that's more than I can exactly. ask for. Exactly. And that's, that's the big thing. Is, I mean, and, and this really, is dealing with Eldritch Horrors, too. <sighs> Heck yeah, I'm buying this game. Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, anyway, keep going on here. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to say about demos and whatnot? No. Kudos to Capcom, though, for keeping the demo game strong. Yeah, for sure. And actually... Again, I wonder if that's going to be one of the one of the things. Uh, do you remember early days for PS4? 
It's something that never actually came to fruition, sadly. Um, there was the intention of using the Gaikai slash PlayStation Now servers to allow people the ability to play demos by having it be where people can essentially stream the first so long yeah, section and it yeah. never ended up happening. I think it was a great idea. And now that PS now has been doubled down as a service and they've, they're doing any more every, uh, they're doing even more, even partnering with Microsoft Azure for their cloud servers. I think now is the time for Sony, even Microsoft, if they want to, to come back to that idea and let people have, the first 20, 30 minutes, it could probably be done on a game by game basis. If you know you have a game that starts off very cutscene heavy and has like 20 minutes of cutscenes before you even play it, mm -hmm. you'd obviously not want to have it be timed at 20 minutes because it would be weird. But I love that idea and I think that's a really good thing to come back to. And the reason I, I say that is it takes away from the developers having to split off and spend time making a specific demo vertical slice when instead you could just say, hey, here's the first 30 minutes of the game. Play it, right. see if you like it, and let's go from there. And now there's certain games that are only an hour and a half to two hours long that are like smaller indie games. I could see why you wouldn't do it for them. But for most AA and AAA games, there's no reason not to let people get 30 minutes of game time in. And then, hey... And then tell them, hey, if you want to, you can buy the game right now and you keep playing from where you were. Yeah. Your save carries over and everything. And There's it, a lot of benefits. It, it speaks to exactly what I you think, were wanting, the ability to carry your save forward. I think for a company, though, the reason why this isn't implemented on a wide scale is because it, it is going to inevitably hit a majority of people who don't like the game and didn't make the purchase to try it out. That's probably why. That's actually really a good point is – Giving every game the ability to be trialed means that people who maybe iffy on the game um, would end up not buying it instead of buying it on a whim. Exactly, like maybe Anthem wouldn't have been one of the best-selling games of last year if everybody was able to hop in. And so, I mean, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I don't feel like Anthem's problems really came in until Endgame. So Anthem still may have sold just as much based That's off true. of that. But point being, yeah, it, it, it is possible that getting in immediately would stop impulse purchases. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Who knows? Uh, next up, our PS Plus games from March have been confirmed to be Blue Point's ground-up remake of Shadow of the Colossus, alongside the latest 3D installment in the long-running Sonic series, Sonic Forces, which I'm actually going to try since it's free. I've been curious about it, but I didn't want to spend money on it, as crazy as that sounds. I haven't played a 3D Sonic since Sonic Generations, so I was kind of curious to see where it's at as they've been talking about potentially going back to a Sonic Adventure 3. Man, I hope they do that. And I, it's kind of been like one of those weirdly rumored things, but the person who is the producer, director, or whatever on the 3D Sonic games has mentioned it. Maybe nowadays. So, which makes me think that there's a high chance that they'll at least try and somehow return to that ideology. Not Maybe not exactly, but come back to it a little bit. Your computer's doing weird things. Who knows? Don't worry about it. Um, what were you going to say? But uh, maybe now that uh, if we get Sonic Adventure 3, we can have a Chow Garden with Chows on like your smartphone. Actually, that would be really them cool. Back and forth between your game and your smartphone. Yeah, no reason not to. Just do like one of the smart apps that you see other things going on. Yeah. But then again, man, that whole trying to make an app that ties into something is so funny because like Fable Anniversary, I actually forgot about this until I started playing it don't again. Don't tell me there's an app for Fable Anniversary. Well, there's the Xbox Smart Glass app that oh, I don't yeah. even know if it exists anymore. But I think every just... time that I start that game up, it's like, go download the Smart Glass so you can see the map in real time and all these other things. And yeah, Smart Glass is still an app, but I think most people use it as a remote. Weird. They also, that's the app, I if, and I might be wrong on this, things might have changed, but I'm pretty sure that's the app you can use to download games off the market, just like you use Sony's app 
to download I don't them know. onto your But I know uh, that console? Smart Glass originally was trying to be more like, uh, do you remember the patents that were coming out? Yeah, uh, that, it was like a second Sony, screen. Well, yeah, but Sony had the patents of being like, when you're playing a game, you could have this thing on your phone that would uh, kind of follow where you are, yeah, that's, and you could look at it and it could give you hints, right? Yeah. That's exactly what this was aiming to be. Hey, there's some side screen functionality which it, some games use with the Vita. If I remember correctly, though, Xbox did this first, didn't they? Smart Glass, yeah. I mean, Smart Glass came out forever ago. I mean, it came yeah. out in 2012 or 13. Well, I'm, I'm saying like Xbox did this did this first, and then Sony had the idea to. Well, do Sony's it. patents are a little different, clearly. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, I would have thought that from the way people talked about it, because I don't know of a single person who used Smart Glass, and that was back when I was mainly on Xbox. <laughs> Me either. I've never like, seen anybody use it. I, yeah. I like. I get the idea. Like there is some like a game like Fable where you have to hit a button to pull the map up, and, and it's kind of slow. Like when you go to do it, and the menu system's kind of a little clunky, so you got to be like, not only do you have to hit this button, but then you go tab it's over the map. So much more effort because, like, for me to pick my phone up, open up an app, and then let it load the map up is the same process. But, but if you that, but if you already have your phone up, then I'm letting my phone die. Yeah, sure. But that's I, I I understood the the quick thought process <clears throat> behind why they thought it was a good idea. It's just one of those things where sometimes things that sound like good ideas on paper, but nobody actually does that in practice. Yeah. You know, it's one I of those was things. never, never a fan. Um, I think I tried it once with something, and I don't remember what it was. To finish up the PS Plus thing, uh, these games will be available starting 3-3, of course, but a little bonus for Plus users comes in the way of a trial weekend of the upcoming Predator Hunting Grounds that starts the weekend of the 27th and goes through the 29th. So if you are, have been curious about that asymmetric multiplayer style, um, go check that out. I mean, there's no reason not to if you're even remotely interested. You're going to get it for free. And actually, at first, I was bummed when they kind of leaked that they were, they, these are the two games before it was actually confirmed because I really like the idea of Sony doing some kind of a bonus event or game every year, every month with this. And this is a good way to speak to that. Hey, it's not a bonus game, but it is a bonus weekend for you to try a game that's not even released yet. Yeah. And I, it, it's something. I mean, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, we've already talked about GDC being canceled, so we're not going to worry about that. Um, next up, Sony has been sending out beta invites for PS4 system software 7.50. The update is claimed to have no major consumer-facing features, but here's where I am. It says no consumer-facing features during the beta period, which to me could imply that there would be some or potentially we, could be some. We just talked about launch. how they, they, they are not good at tempering in people's expectations. And, here and they we have are. a clear message saying during the beta period, and you are speculating for something after the beta period. Well, it's the way they said it. There's going to be no major consuming facing features during the beta period. Maybe they just need to say, all they had to say was, there's nothing new. <laughs> Stability. That, again, Take it again. <laughs> that's all they really needed to say. But either way, if you're interested in it, uh, it's it's saying that the beta period at least will have uh, some small number uh, or a number of smaller quality of life updates and of course performance fixes. Stability is no longer the word. Stability is out. Performance fixes are in. Get with the times, Saul. Get with the times. Look, all I'm it's saying stable is if be. you want to be clear, all you got to do is say, hey, this update's going to have no major consumer facing features. That's it. If, if they ever have like a a, a breakdown of. I'm going to call this now. If they ever have like a breakdown of stability and all of a sudden there's issues, the thumbnail for the episode will be, I will be stacking PS4s up Jenga style and then one will be falling out. <laughs> you know, because I know that you're very light grasp on GIMP. I would be really, I, I would want to watch you oh, I would try just, and I would do just that. copy, rotate, copy, rotate, copy, rotate. And then there'll be one just at an angle out to the side. Okay. I would imagine that you just start with an actual pre Jenga thing and just superimpose the PlayStation into each no. one. No. <laughs> 
uh, it'd probably be easier. It probably would look better. Maybe. But then again, that'd be one of those things where it would look more funny that it looks bad. Like it'd be even more like that, like that Sean Layden uh, <laughs> thumbnail I made that one time of yeah. him of him superimposed on a uh, oh Norma Reedus and Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. All right, so despite sales falling well below expectation, Ubisoft hasn't backed off of supporting Ghost Recon Breakpoint as they outlined plans to add a new class as well as immersive mode to the game. Originally planned to release at the end of February, they've decided to push it back, but aim to drop more info come March 5th. Now, I actually don't think this is a bad thing. This speaks to something that one of our buddies, Ryan, was talking about with uh, the Division 2. In an effort to try and get Division 2 to where the first one are, or first one was, or maybe even is, depending on how you view that, uh, um, they are pushing through with DLC despite some problems not being fixed in the launch as far as he sees. And I kind of agree with that to some extent. I'd have to play it again to know exactly where they stand. Uh, but he mentioned that the first game had DLC delayed so they get the rest of the game working the way it should and then release the DLC. Uh, I think this is clearly the smarter way to go. Is it unfortunate that a game that sold below expectations... <laughs> You hear that scream? No. Uh, so I just saw somebody named PlayStation Scotland on uh, Twitter say, well, first crash using system beta 7.5. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's starting. <laughs> it's starting. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think that there's something to saying, hey, we're not where we need to be. Let's go ahead and push back this and go to March 5th. Um, what in the hell am I hearing? I don't know. Very high-pitched whistle. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, next up thing. Did you have anything you want to talk about with that? No, you're good. Okay, next up. And this actually looks pretty cool. I'd urge people to go check it out if uh, or if Samurai Jack is something you like. But Adult Swim Games have announced the 3D hack and slash Samurai Jack game called Battle Through Time uh, that sees Jack venturing through time to put an stop, put a stop, not an, uh, to Aku's evil reign is coming. Uh, the game was written by the show's lead writer and ties into the show's series finality. Finality. Finale. Finality is going to be like a new <laughs> Mortal Fatality, Kombat thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the game currently does not have a solid release date, but it is aiming for a summer release. Uh, check it out. It looks pretty good. Now, I, I want to step back and say that even though this does look good, like it, it, it looks fun. It actually looks like a pretty high-quality game uh, that I wouldn't have expected to see from this. Um but I don't know why they chose to go 3D. Can we can we get a Samurai Jack a la carte style uh, guacamole? A la carte. I like how you said that. But that's actually going towards what I was talking about. I actually think that Samurai Jack would be much better. And I'm, much better guacamole? As a Metroidvania a juice box. Yeah, give it to juice box. Drink box. Drink, drink box. box. Yeah, give it to drink box. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I think that that game would be really cool to see as a Metroidvania. It, I feel like that would fit the style a lot better and the cool added aspect. And look, I could see it going to Guacamelee because I think their art style is at least quote, close enough that they could do a lot of cool stuff with the actual Samurai Jack art style. But my other thing was maybe give it to Thunder Lotus, who did, um, um, oh, um, Sundered, um, which was an amazing game. And they did Yoten too. I like their hand drawn aspect. Uh, yeah. But I think Guacamelee also fits the bill. Either way, I like that we both went immediately to Samurai Jack, Metroidvania. Yeah. I feel like that's such a great idea. I think it works with the way the story goes, bouncing between time, having to go back, get items to do the things you want to do, which ties into a lot of the stuff. Uh, and it would just be really fun, and it would let you keep the combat that you'd want from something like Samurai Jack and also keep the visual style. Um, this looks good. 
for 3D, but it also looks weird seeing something that's always been in 2D suddenly be in 3D. It's always something I don't like. If, like, if you can find a way to translate these same things into a 2D way, why not do it? Definitely at a time where 2D is very popular again. I still think the new Clone Wars looks weird compared to the original animated one. Oh, the one that was actually originally done by the Samurai Jack creator? Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that one was so cool looking, too. Like The new one looks... Like arguably better from like everything's more proportional and looks like it's aiming to be more realistic in a sense. It looks but like there Ro- was Roly Poly Oli. Do you remember that show? <laughs> yeah, but dude, the original was so stylized and cool that yeah, there's something about that. I really feel like there's there needs to be an attempt to when you're trying to pull pull something over across to a different medium. Trying to stick with its art style as close as possible is going to be a huge help. Uh, and it doesn't mean you can't change the camera angles and stuff. Uh, one of my shining examples is the Zelda-like game um, you know, that I always talk about. Adventure uh, Time. Adventure Time it, the Nameless Kingdom. It was great. It looked a lot like Adventure Time while also doing something that was clearly inspired by something else, pulling the camera up top and letting it be a Zelda-like. But it fit and it worked. And I feel like that's something you need to try and aim to do. And... Samurai Jack in 3D just ain't it. Yeah. That's, that's what I've learned. So, And actually, to speak on Adventure Time, the Adventure Time games that have been in 3D, like the uh, Adventure or the, uh, ba- the Pirates of the Intruidion or whatever yeah. that just came out, it doesn't mean it's a bad game, but it looks decidedly weirder and like harder to get into Downgraded. than something like the Nameless Kingdom did. So something I think about that. Hmm. Uh, next up, as Saul was kind of talking about earlier when he's browsing Twitter, Borderlands 3 uh, gets more content coming by the way of the second story DLC that was teased at PAX East this past week. Uh, the expansion is titled Guns, Love, and Tentacles, The Marriage of Wainwright and Hammerlock. And I think Saul's probably excited for it because it looks decidedly eldritch. It is, and uh, it's kind of cool that Hammerlock is a thing, like a name, because I'm pretty sure it's going off of Hemlock, which mm. is also an old mm-hmm. um name from it's something hp lovecraft i can't remember what it was yeah i mean definitely hemlock is tied into some horror stuff so i got you isn't there a show called hemlock grove on netflix or something like that i don't know isn't hemlock grove a location on bloodborne i don't know hemlock lane i don't know (laughs) uh i saw here goes saul's real big thing that we got to figure out how he feels about (laughs) As he's already said, despite the first part of the Final Fantasy VII remake being delayed a few months earlier this year, Square Enix says the delay will have no impact on the release schedule for Part 2. We'll see. As we've known, Part 2 has already started active development as early as November of last year, according to developer or director, rather, Tetsuya Nomura. Uh, but we've been giving, given absolutely no information on the expected wait between releases. So here's the thing. I actually think that they're probably right. Because it seems like another studio for now is starting, uh, you know, uh, primary development in terms of just getting everything coming off the ground. Uh, and of course, they already have uh, engines set up in place the way they want it to work with Unreal 3. They've already got character models for most of the characters. They've got probably some of the assets they need to be able to reuse for certain parts of the world. This is going to be a quicker development cycle, but. How long? How long? I do believe that their plans internally, currently, probably don't show because if a different team's working on it, why would the delay yeah, of they one? Know. Why, why would the delay of one affect the delay of another? Uh, if it's just for starting purposes, I'm going to give it two years. You think there's going to be two years between releases? Absolutely. Whew. 
there are certain parts that if I'm thinking you're going to get there, it's going to either be a whole other part for the game. And I'm talking about locations within Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Or that um, that, that those locations there, there's th- when you said assets can be reused, some assets might be able to re- mm-hmm. re- reuse. Um, that's a no-go for what I'm thinking it is. So, yeah. Okay. That, and that's, that should happen technically what, in what I would think would be part two. That's what I would guess what would happen in part two. It could be part I think two. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, it, well, there's, my... there, well, there's two There's two locations on the map when you get out of Midgard that you can go to, <laughs> two of which being the parts I'm, the areas I'm talking about. So, for me, I'm looking at the past to try and make sense of the future. But if you've already got a secondary team that started development back in November, mm-hmm. it means that you're wanting to probably give roughly two years of development time to everything, right? Mm-hmm. So if this game was originally planning on releasing sometime in March, which was originally the goal, mm-hmm. then you started development about six months in advance. So if you wanted to give them roughly two years of development time, you'd be seeing the game roughly 18 months after the release of the first. Yeah. Which... That's sensible. It makes sense when you have a secondary team starting work on the other one and then letting this team come in. Or not. Well, it's sensible whether or not they do it. I guess is really the question. Like it's a sensible move, but that doesn't mean that Square Enix is doing the sensible move. Yeah. Uh, but on top of that, I'm saying the the time in between is not sensible. Oh yes, yeah, I know. But <laughs> I, I get. I know that you think that, and I, and I to some extent I do as well. Uh, I think 18 months is my max that I'm that I'm willing to wait. We're going to see how that works out. Uh, when I say willing to wait, it doesn't mean I'm not going to play part two. It's just I'm going to be a lot more miffed about having to play part two two years down the line. Um, but I use that also, the, the 18 months, as I've mentioned on the show before, because that was a timeline between the three parts of Final Fantasy 13. Every game, despite being actually really different games, all three of them are quite different games. Each game was 18 months apart from release-wise. But each game also got roughly two years of development Where's time. the Final Fantasy 13 remake trilogy? What do you mean? Like a, a remaster? Uh, well, yeah, remaster. I, that game series, that trilogy was not that well received. Like people like it, but I, I don't feel think like that the, it's something that they would want to do a remaster. That's the Star on. Wars prequel trilogy of Final Fantasy. So many people hated that at that's release, true. and now so many people. I've never once gone back on how much I like those games, or at least thirteen. But so many people now are like, I don't know why I made fun of it. It was a great game. And, and you see so many people say that, like, where are you fuckers? Ooh, where were you guys at <laughs> when, when it came time to uh, to defend the game when it came out, huh? Okay, well, hey, what about all the people that love Final Fantasy 15 and go, I don't know why people hate it on it. It's a great game. I literally just saw this conversation uh, earlier this week. Oh, uh, no. It was yesterday in a podcast, uh, the Podcast Beyond, the Facebook group that I've been in forever. Uh, I was just scrolling through and I saw that. And someone was like, Final Fantasy uh, 15 is a great game. I'm like 12 hours in. I'm loving every second of it. See my point? There was more of those than there were people being negative about the game when it came out. I felt like I was outlier when it, in my negativity. Nah, I think everybody was generally negative. I just think that some people were still willing to play it and just being like, hey, it's, I'm bummed that it's not as good as I thought it could be. Then there was, then there was people like, I'm not going to play it at all because it's a pile of trash. <laughs> that was also something I said at one point. <laughs> so just helped that the, now the pile of trash became free and had a little bit more shine on it. Realistically, what I'm my hope this does not mean that this is what I think. My hope is that they're at max a year apart. But what I'm willing to give them like a pass on is 18 months apart. So 12 to 18 months, if it's anywhere in that ballpark, I'm, ideally, I'm personally I would, happy. Ideally, I would get part two two weeks after the launch of the first one. 
You want truly episodic. Truly episodic. <laughs> give me 40 hours, and then two weeks later, give me 40 more hours, is you cowards. Is, is it even episodic at that point? I think there. I think it was a mistranslation early on. They've actually said that because they said episodic, but that was what the translation came to. So it could have been a weird translation, something that where what they really meant was breaking that, it out as a yeah into parts, and somebody may have taken parts as episodic. That's a good question. I, I don't just, know. I did not realize we could look it up. I'm sure that somebody by you, now is. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear something that will blow your mind? It'll now take longer for you to play the Final Fantasy VII series than it will Kingdom Hearts series. What do you mean? Like a from, series of Final Fantasy VII. What do you mean? Like from a time standpoint? From or like an hour sync standpoint. Oh. I don't know. Every Kingdom Hearts game is roughly like 24 to 30 hours. You have four at this point. They're going to be at this point. Four of those full-length games on Final Fantasy. You have the original one. You have Final Fantasy VII Remake. You have Dirge of Cerberus. And you have Crisis Core. Oh, hold on. Okay, maybe maybe I'm confused on what you're saying. I thought you were saying that Kingdom. Sorry, no, you're I'm, talking I'm, about- I'm saying Final Fantasy VII is now becoming such a uh, a, a weird. I, I won't say dumb, but I'm not quite going to be that mean about it. But it's such a weird thing that now Final Fantasy VII is now a series within Final Fantasy series. Within Final Fantasy VII, you mean? No, within the Final Fantasy series, Final Fantasy VII is its own series. Yeah, it's been that way. Yeah. Because it's wildly successful. And now with these coming out, it's, is also you can its own sink series. more time into playing Final Fantasy. You can't, you, can, you can't sink that much time into 10 or 13, but now 7, you're about to be able to sink hundreds of hours into that entire one game of series. <laughs> yeah. Then Kingdom Hearts combined. But then again, Dirge of Cerberus and all that stuff is no longer canon to this. Wait, when did that happen? That's been said. This game is technically restarting canon to make it more involved. So is Crisis Core canon? Uh, it depends on what oh, you choose to say, do with it. You better say yes it is, because if it's not, I'm not playing this Final Fantasy VII I don't remake. know. I'm not playing Final Fantasy I don't know why Crisis Core's canonity would matter to a game that starts to take place after it. Because Zack's not dead. He comes back to I don't know, man, dude. I can't tell you. I don't know. But yeah, if they kick Final Fantasy, if they kick Crisis Core out of this, then I, I really may be done. Well, what if it's just that they rework Crisis Core into fit slightly better in with what they're doing? Like, it's, like Crisis Core as a whole still happens more or less the same. It's just they fit it in a different way. Yeah, but let's get off Final Fantasy 7 because I'm just going to get mad. I'm, I am frustrated. Angel and Genesis. Yeah. Or Angel. Angel, yeah. All right, I think next I just up. I realized that's a play on words. Angel, Angel, Genesis. Mm. Mm. I never realized that until I'm dumb. Mm. Go ahead. I'm, t- I'm done with Final Fantasy VII talk. Well, while we're still on the topic of Square Enix, uh, due to the next-gen consoles aiming for backwards compatibility, the publisher has plans to make their games cross-generation generation releases uh, for the foreseeable future, with it being, quote, somewhat further down the road, we release titles exclusively for next-gen consoles. Well, this is reasonable, makes sense, because realistically, this ties back into what I was talking about with why I think it won't be crazy release schedule for Final Fantasy VII parts. I have a feeling that their goal is to have all three parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake be playable on PS4. What was the first Square Enix game on PS4? That was only on like PS4. Exclusive? Xbox. Yeah. No, I mean, not, no, just, it, I would say new generation exclusive. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it could have been on Xbox. Well, that's what I mean, but next-gen exclusive. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy Type O. Well, that's a PSP game, so it doesn't count. Well, but I mean, it was a remaster that was only available on next gen, and actually, the PSP game was only available in Japan until that. Happened. Yeah, but it's still out. I mean, I get what you mean, but what game did that come? What was the demo of that game? The game came with something. Final as Fantasy a demo. Fifteen Episode Disguise. That that game came with a demo in it. 
Uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy 15. Is it Episode Disgaea demo? No, it was it was the Episode Disgaea was specifically only in that. So was that, later so you was had the Platinum episode, demo. Was Episode Disgaea technically the first Square game to come to PS4? I wonder. Not really, because I mean it was a demo. I'm curious. I want to know what it is and how long into the life it came. I don't know. Oops. Most people were pretty quick because the power jump was significant. There was no backwards compatibility. This ain't in chronological order at all. I don't know why I'm seeing 2019, 2015, 2008, then 2010. I don't know. You've, you've stupid, broken Wikipedia. I guess so. All right, moving on to the next thing. Uh, the next release in Don't Nod and Bandai Namco's The Dark Pictures Anthology has been teased with a very Silent Hill-esque trailer. The new entry is called Little Hope and will be releasing in 2020. Go check it out if you're interested in it. Isn't um, Dark Pictures Anthology like the thing that that's the, uh, the new Mummy movie's in? No. Are you sure? Like Dark Pictures with the Mummy, and then I think there was another movie that it was part of. The Dark Pictures anthology is just Don't Nod's little game thing that Man of Madon was the first entry in. I don't know what you're talking about, but it may have it may be something with a similar name. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't know how to Google this, but go ahead. I'll, I'll <laughs> say it here a minute. Either way, um, w- watching this, there's a trailer you can check out. And the teaser actually stopped at the end of a trailer that was people playing through uh, Man of Madon. And I'm kind of interested in Man of Madon now, or Man of Madon, whatever it's called. I, I-, I want to give it a try. I've heard that it wasn't as good as Until Dawn. It didn't quite have the same lightning in a bottle effect that one did. Uh, partially probably because it was hyped up a it's little bit. It's called Dark Universe franchise. It's kind of close. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested in seeing it. So you liked um, Until Dawn, didn't you? Yeah, I loved Until Dawn. Do you have any interest in Man of Medan? The reason I've I ask heard, that I've is because the, I think what I've heard about it the most is that until Dawn choosing to lean into its um, B-movie slasher effect made it more endearing to people and that just because you really liked how they chose to go about Until Dawn does not mean that you're going to like how they chose to go about Man of Madame because they're very different. I've heard like that. one was a little more like B movie slasher. So it's like even the things that were kind of cringy were like, Oh, well it's all part of what it was. And then it still leans into something serious. Whereas this tries to be serious, but sometimes the kind of goofy aspects are meant to be taken totally serious and don't quite work the same way. I've heard the story in uh man of Madonna. is not of quality compared to until dawn. Interesting. So I've also heard has really bad performance issues. Also interesting. I don't know. We'll see. I may grab it on like a $15 sale because it was originally a $30 game. I can see that game being a PS Plus game soon. Actually, I think it's $14 on sale right now. I don't know if it means I'm going to get it right now. It's just an example. (laughs) I may buy it a little bit down the road when I don't have anything else going on, which is interesting. um, Another hint at Sony potentially releasing Horizon Zero Dawn on PC comes in the way of Amazon France listing to the game that has some interesting information. It appears Sony itself will be the publisher in lieu of them licensing the game out to another publisher as they've done with Journey, Death Stranding, and even the Quantic Dream games that came to PC last year. Uh, they, of course, let uh, Quantic Dream, I'm pretty sure, self-publish those uh, more or less, even though Sony owns those IP. So big move for Sony if this is true. And I think the fact that we keep seeing more and more of this is one of those things where it's absolutely true. It's just not been talked about yet. Right. Um, and I've said this before, and I, uh, but I don't know if it's been on the podcast. 
I don't see anything wrong with this. I know that I'm a pretty staunch defender of exclusives, but I think that there's a point where you're going to not gain anything from an exclusive being on your console after so long. Uh, Horizon just turned three years old, right? They've had three years uh, to get to 10 million sales on PlayStation 4. It's clearly aided them in not only just being a big IP for them at 10 million sales. It's amazing for a new IP. Um, and of course, it's just a big deal. They made a lot of money off of that. It's a profitable new IP. But... They're not going to make much more money off of it on the PS4. They've probably reached about the market saturation they're going to have on it. It's already gotten people to buy the console, surely. So at this point, the way I view this is if they look at games and give them a window of saying, hey, any exclusive that we do that does really well, if it, after it's been on the system for two to three years and it's pretty much reached its maximum sales that it's going to get out of there, we're going to re-release it on PC. That way, PC people can play these games, get around to it, and the benefit that Sony would have from this is that people may play Horizon for the first time on PC, love it so much that when Sony announces Horizon 2 for the PS5, they decide to buy a PS5 yeah. so that they can play Horizon 2 day one instead of having to wait three more years, two more years, whatever the day ends up being for them to play it on PC later down the line. Um, that would be obviously the best way Sony would get more money from the publishing aspect of just making more money off the game, as it were, as well as the potential aspect of getting new customers. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm all for like game. Then like Bloodborne could be on PC now too, and that'd work pretty well, I think. Well, because like think about it from the standpoint of like why would Microsoft be so keen on letting their games be on PC? Now it's a little different because Microsoft, of course, is wanting you to buy into services now. So. Mm-hmm. It's more about, doesn't matter where we can get your money, if we can get your money. But Microsoft also clearly had to look at it from the, hey, people may really like these games enough to just be like, you know, it's really easy to play them on Xbox. What if I just bought an Xbox? Well, I think also that Microsoft understands that the PC gaming is now a massive thing. So that Mm. allowing people to pay for a service that allows them to download games that are now on PC that they can actually get a hold of those games. Like the Halo collection to come to PC was one of the most requested game series to come to PC and of all time. Finally listening when Fable, I mean Fable, uh, when Halo has not been on PC since Halo two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Halo two was the last one. Halo two is the, all it was the one that required Vista. And they have asked for Halo three to be on PC since Halo three released. Yep. They have, so. they have been asking for it ever since that game was, conceptualized and in your hands at, uh, on Xbox release day and they are finally getting it and I guarantee you the numbers for that game are going to be redonkulous for the ones now. on Steam yeah, yeah. Um, the, how many people are going to pay for that game again um, that don't have games pass or whatever that are going to just choose to buy through Steam yeah that just want to play Halo nothing else yeah. on Steam uh, or nothing same else goes, on the same is going to go for Horizon Horizon's going to hit massive PC sales numbers because people on PC who don't have a PS4 are going to want to play that game for, for the first time. Well, yeah, and, and of course the fact that a lot of people you often hear when you're in gaming forums or on different things, you'll hear people saying, like, you know, it'd be amazing to see how much this already gorgeous game, like how, how much more gorgeous it could look like if it was set up to where a PC could yeah. really blow it out. I mean, I'm, I, depending on the price and if it ever goes on sale, I'm about on PC just to see what it looks like on there. But, yeah. you know, I don't know why I'd be able to just, I could just download it again and, playing a 4k well one big thing you definitely said that makes sense for sony and them to eventually let people play their games on pc has become a big deal again i feel like pc kind of slowed down for a while but now it's like more people are willing and able to get into pc gaming i don't know why i i don't feel like i've seen anything happen in the pc market that has made the barrier of entry easier the mining cards are now gone 
Oh, that's definitely so, something. So from a cost perspective, it's and gotta RAM be has gone down. You can get 32 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM right now for like eighty dollars. That's a significant drop. Yeah, and I um, just I bought, might an, be wrong I bought that. Another, that might be sixteen gigs, but like you, I can, bought another chip of uh, eight gig for like eighty dollars by itself, not even a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago. So yeah, yeah like prices it, is definitely a big thing. It's gone down to yeah. Look at this, dude. You can get the fancy the RGB RAM. Uh, this is gonna be a uh, what is the clock speed this that comes with? Uh, 3200. Oh, nice. 3216 gigabytes. The fancy one's $90. Nice. That for 16 or for yeah, for 16 gigs. Yeah, that's um, a big that's a big drop. I mean, but even then, I don't know if cost is as big of a barrier of entry as it been for a lot of people as the daunting nature of putting a PC together. Which is that's super Most easy. often the thing I hear people say when they come to me and go, "Hey, I want to build a PC." But first of all, can I send you my part list when I'm done so that you can tell me if I'm missing anything? And almost every time they are. I was talking to Josh Shoup about that. Like, I, I built him a PC list of what yeah. he wanted. And I'm like, dude, just watch. Like, the, there's three YouTubers I would always recommend you to watch. Watch those three YouTubers on how to build a PC. What I would recommend is, is find a budget build on YouTube uh, uh, and then copy that build because you're going to watch them put it together. So you'll know how to put it together step by step by step. Yeah, but building a true. PC is so easy and so fun. You're going to want to build more when you're done with that one. Yeah. It's not a hassle. As people make it out to be. If you end up, yeah, if you can end up getting together, there's a chance that you'll like just the building process. I definitely agree with that. That's one of my favorite things about adult getting Legos. a computer. Essentially. It's adult Legos. With some wiring. <laughs> but not hard wiring. All right. Uh, next one up is Platinum Games showed off a new IP in a recent teaser for working title project GG, which aims to be the last in the superhero pseudo trilogy of Beautiful Joe, The Wonderful 101, and now this. Um, now, this will be their first ever self-published IP that they will own completely outright. This is something they've been working on doing since they've opened. And, of course, the Tencent um, Investments has given them a lot of ability to, to move forward. They've opened a new studio in Tokyo uh, that, for now, is going to be helping them on developing the games they're doing. But eventually, the two teams will be working uh, the, the two studios will be working on completely different games. Okay, that makes so sense. that's cool. Yeah. But right now they're just trying to get them up and going. Um, so yeah, this is real interesting. The trailer has got like Ant Man mixed with like Pacific Rim vibes. Uh, so if that interests you at all, go check the trailer out. Uh, there's no necessarily word on when it's going to come, but it looks like it's aiming for all consoles since it's going to be published by them. They don't have to worry about anything. Um, the reason I say Ant Man is like you see this. Uh, hero jump out, hits a button, and suddenly becomes very large. And then it's him face to face, head to head with a giant monster that's coming right at him, which just makes me think of Pacific Rim. Yeah, but it does look interesting. And it look the the weird thing to me is like it's in direct contrast. I feel like to the other two games, where like Beautiful Joe and Wonderful One Hundred One both have kind of like chibi miniature heroes Similar, and this is like yeah. hey we're gonna go to a hero that's massive yeah or it has the ability to be massive even in the trailer he's anatomically proportionate to, yeah to us he's not so a he, there's no kind of weird proportions going on with a huge head and something else so interesting move for them they say that the game is going to surprise expectations but in a good way uh so we'll definitely see how that ends up going off um I, i'm proud of platinum man i still really yeah. hope we're getting another near yeah. game yeah Here's a big thing. In this big thing that they were talking about, as they've been having this big year of Platinum Game stuff, they said that part of the reason they wanted to get the Tokyo Studio up and going is because they are often getting asked to make games that they would like to make from other studios, but they do not have the manpower to do it. 
So part of the reason of getting the Tokyo studio going is so they'll be able to spread things across and then have teams that are freed up to make games again. Because people don't really think about it, but they've had a really interesting life. Of At one point in time, they became the de facto licensed IP people, which was good and bad. They made some really great licensed games uh, that people were a little hit and miss on. I mean, I think that Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is a really good game. I actually. like that game. Um, and of course, they've had a couple of other really good ones. Then they've had some bad ones like Transformers Devastation that wasn't just amazing. Their Legend of Korra game also leaving some to be desired, but they were quick pump-out games when Platinum Games was not doing very well. Yeah. So if you kind of look, the the life at that studio after Nier Automata has really brought them back, and then Astral Chain has been a big success for them, this looks so like good. this is a time for them to go and go forward. And to me getting more teams doing the things that they want to do. I feel like we will see them either they're already returning to near or we will see them return to near because that's what they wanted to do in terms of getting more manpower. They seem to really enjoy working on near and the reason that they chose to go with it is because they were huge fans of the original game. Yeah. So having them continue on would be fantastic, but you know, we'll see maybe they don't want to make any more. And I've got to say, I don't necessarily want a team of people that don't really want to be making a game, making a game. Right. You know, I think Automata is so great because it was a bunch of people who clearly wanted to make that game. Yeah. So last thing up on the list though, Pokemon like MMO Tim Tim has revealed, uh, that's T E M T E M has revealed their plans for console releases of its recently released game. Um, Expect to play the game on consoles in spring of 2021. If you head over to their Twitter, they have a roadmap that shows all the things that they're aiming for. So they want to release the full 1.0 version of the game on computer the same time as consoles uh, releases come. And then they're going to actually add, this is kind of interesting, uh, their their last plan thing, there's like six panels. Their last plan thing after the game launches full blown is to add a Nuzlocke mode in the game itself. That's cool. That you don't, you don't control, you don't have to worry about doing it yourself. The game has has the con this sounds like a game that i was i'm excited for because it sounds to be made by pokemon fans yeah which actually comes back to that game i, I shared on uh twitter the kindred spirits yes uh same thing it looked like people who are big fans of pokemon but felt kind of like i had that pokemon in some ways has really stagnated uh-huh. they've tried to do some new things but it's like they haven't been bold enough in yeah. my opinion so yeah, I love that. Um, this is a really cool way of doing like hey mmo which people have been talking about a pokemon mmo for decades Ever. decades good luck ever since mmo was a, th- a conceivable term and game there yeah. was pokemon talks of one of pokemon mmos yeah and then if you are interested in this at all and you had didn't see on uh, our twitter uh <coughs> excuse me <coughs> oh i'm sorry um there's a game called kindred spirits that's going to be like a pokemon like but it does something i've wanted pokemon to do for about eight years now uh when i really started getting bored of pokemon after black and white hit and kind of failed to capture my attention the way i wanted i said you know it'd be really interesting to see them experiment with at least once maybe even in a side game it's a game where it's still an open world pokemon game the way you'd expect uh but whenever you go to choose your pokemon and throw them out you take direct control of the pokemon and then you can actually move in real time attack in real time and the four moves are just uh, map to the face buttons. I always thought that was a really great idea. Yeah. And at one point in time, I actually was going to make, I was curious about starting to make a Pokemon mod like everybody else does to where you have a world and you play it and it's like the old Game Boy Advance style, but when you got it, it would go to like a top-down sprite-based thing where you'd run and be able to do that. Like a really simplified version yeah. of it. But this is in 3D. It looks fantastic. Um, 
don't know if you got to check out the trailer in, anymore, but it's a lot of great ideas. You get to start in the house, um, and uh, when you go into the house, it's more sim style. You build the house up the way you want, like where your yeah, couches are going to be, which looks, is probably a little more Animal Crossing as well. Yeah, so, it looks like a, a, cool, a really, really cool combination of Pokemon and other stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I think that's cool. And the biggest thing about both of these I like is that people have been clamoring for a long time for Pokemon to come to other platforms since Nintendo doesn't actually outright own Pokemon. Um, but of course, they fund the development of the games and own a stake in it. It's really, it's, it's an odd setup. It is, yeah. uh, But people have been wanting Pokemon to come for a long time to consoles, and I think the best way to essentially pull that off is to make something that's clearly so inspired by Pokemon, but not Pokemon, and let them come to the main console. So now you have two. You'll have Tim Tim, which is going to be 2021, and I think Kindred Spirits is aiming uh, for all of their versions to be out in 2023. So yeah, far off, of course, but I mean... It's cool to finally kind of have that light of, hey, heroes people and both of these being small teams being brave enough to kind of be like, what if we took on a game that's inspired by Pokemon? Because I, re- I imagine the reason for this is being inspired by Pokemon, but making a game that doesn't quite live up to it has got to be like the death knell for some people. Like, well, if we if you don't go do a good enough job, you're going to be chastised. And the good news about Kindle Spirits is that you'll at least be able to play it before you finish the entirety of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> so what's our community's take question for this episode? You know, that is a good question. I'm going to go back to the Horizon Zero Dawn PC thing because I think it's really interesting. So for me, uh, how do you feel about Sony releasing their games on PC uh, years down the line from them launching on the console as an exclusive? Do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea? Uh, What would you do if you were in charge of Sony to either choose to move forward with or not move forward with this decision? And would you change anything about it? Would you still do it, but with a slightly different manner? Uh, let us know. I'll get it posted up this week. Don't Look forget forward to hearing those response. That you can find us on all podcast services and YouTube every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central Time. And uh, if you enjoy our content, please leave us a like and uh, write us a review on podcast services. It really helps us out. And if you really, really want to love us and uh, speak dirty to us, you can become a patron over there at patreon.com slash nartech, in which you guys get to hear all the lovely people that now narrated in real time by my friend Brett. So <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you guys for episode 153. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Durrell, and actually Dan's gone. See you, Dan. Good. Thank you for being no. a patron for so long. Uh, Josh Durrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonerd, I think Travis Below also uh, canceled his patron. Thank you for being one for so long, buddy. Uh, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One, Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, and Sam Coffin is still on there. I'm going to update this today. <laughs> but we still got plenty of you guys. We appreciate you so much. And if you'd like to support the show, like Saul said, head over to patreon.com slash Thank you. <laughs>